The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello and welcome to this Barron's Live. I'm Alex Daniel, fintech correspondent for Financial News. We're nearly a year on from the events that kicked off the crypto winter. In that time, a number of large-scale crypto firms have collapsed, including FTX, revealing corporate failings on a scale that has scarcely been seen before. Millions of ordinary people have lost a lot of money along the way, but amazingly, there is now a whiff of positivity in the air. Bitcoin is on the up again, and regulators are engaging more closely than ever with the sector. Over the next half hour, we're going to talk about all of this and, crucially, what comes next for crypto. I'm joined by Tim Grant, EMEA Chief at Galaxy Digital, and Ari Redboard, Head of Legal and Government Affairs at TRM Labs. Thank you so much both for joining. Um, I'm going to start with Ari. Um, Really simple one. Is the crypto winter over? Um, Alex, it is a great question. And first of all, thank you so much for having me and and, and great to be here with Tim uh, today. You know, it's interesting. You know, I don't use the term a lot um, because when I ever hear about sort of crypto winter, it's always predicated on sort of essentially the price of Bitcoin or sort of other assets. Um, But I will say that it's been a very rough period uh, for this industry for the last year. And I thought your, your, your intro was great because you are talking about the collapse of very, very large businesses like FTX, the collapse of Terra, the, the stable coin, um, and, and, and that did significant damage to the industry. Um, so I think we're very much still in that moment, uh, whereas there is a lot of pain. I'm hopeful that we're sort of on our way out of it. Um, but I would say that I, I may be less optimistic than you were sort of in your intro. I will tell you, I think sort of two really, really good things are happening right now in the space. And one, I think we've seen a move from sort of the FTXs of the world, sort of these opaque financial institutions towards a more decentralized space. We're seeing much more activity in DeFi uh, than we've ever seen before. And I think the other piece is sort of, uh, you know, a move towards thoughtful regulation globally. And I know we'll sort of dig into that in a bit, but I think that's a really, really important piece. Uh, The market in crypto's assets uh, legislation out of the EU, which has been in the works for really, you know, two and a half or more years, passed today. Um, and so, so to me, uh, that is really, really important to provide that sort of, you know, legal uh, clarity to businesses as they operate in the world to really engage in the space. And that's how you come out of a crypto winner. You have businesses, you have institutions willing to engage in this space. And that's what I'm really excited about today. Tim, what about you? Yeah, I, well, firstly, also great to be here, Alex, and and to be alongside you, Ari. Uh, and uh, you know, this is a this is an interesting time, and I, I actually I'm right with you, Ari, on on is crypto winter really a thing? Should we really call that? Uh, I I don't know, but I, I, let's just assume it is a thing, and uh, I, I would say it's there's negatives and positives, and I I don't think any everyone would be crazy to call the end of the. Of the crypto winter at this point and, and and maybe just to think about some of those negatives and positives starting with the negatives right the us crackdown and i don't think anybody would debate that there is one at this point you know directly or indirectly is a huge negative uh and that's going to weigh on this sector 
uh, until we start to see some some mitigating factors and we start to see that unravel, which could be a while. So that's a factor. Um, you know, there's an element of prices are up, but volumes aren't necessarily up at all times. And, and that's a, you know, there's a, there's a market structure and a, a, a consistency that we need to see to really feel like we're lifting off. Um, there's, and then we've got to think about the, like, this isn't just a crypto thing. We can't just think in isolation. This is a TradFi crypto markets macro thing that's going on. There's a lot of money on the sidelines in a very general sense, both in crypto and TradFi. And that ain't going to help us get out of this until we start to see meaningful investment. There's no question there's a hangover of some of the, 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 the elements you mentioned, Alex, from last year. Like it was a tough year, whatever way you look at it. Um, and there's still perhaps a lot of people just waiting and that, that, that explains some of the money on the sidelines. Is inflation really under control? Where do rates go from here? Stocks are up, VIX is low. But does that really make sense? You know, the, 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 these big macro factors, and of course, you can't ignore the banking challenges. You know, Silvergate, Signature, SVB, uh, who else is next? Is anybody next? UBS Credit Suisse, we could talk about that for the whole session about the sort of the the implications of that, the Swiss market. So there's a there's a lot of stuff hanging, and that's just some of it. You know, you could get into more detail. But let's be balanced. Uh, there are some positives, and and I, I think we will talk about the 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 corollary of the us which is x us the uk europe uh, the middle east hong kong are all you know broadly at, at worst neutral to positive stories and we'll go into more of that i think the growth of the derivatives market crypto derivatives market both in defi and and sort of cfi is is a good canary in the coal mine of growth of a new asset class and we're seeing that uh, certainly in our trading book with our clients. Um, things like the activity like Paris Blockchain Week a few weeks ago was really high energy. Uh, and that and institutionally, as well as DeFi and, and CeFi, like really, you hear that. And then and in the last uh, four weeks, we've had three uh, big uh, conferences in Hong Kong, which really demonstrated that Hong Kong's open for business. That's a, that's a that's a material shift from a year ago where we were in the doldrums of the Hong Kong story uh, and the and the COVID, ongoing COVID story. The last thing I'll cite, which we can talk more about, is is the institutional adoption cycle. You know, that's a positive. Like even though you see the negatives structurally, when we talk to big banks, big asset managers. Big, big institutional players, which really is what we want to come into this space. Yes, there may be money on the sidelines, but there's an underlying consistency of investing and, and growing teams uh, and building for the future, both, yes, in tokenization, which people talk a lot about, but but in crypto too, in crypto infrastructure. Um, so so there's that, that, that balanced view would, would tell us I don't know when we break out, but but it's it's not hugely negative and hugely positive is where I'd be at this point. Thanks both. Um, Tim, I'm going to I'm going to come back to you immediately because um, uh, Galaxy's chief exec, Mike uh, Novogratz, um, was talking about the positivity in the market um, at, the, at the end of last month, I think, wasn't it? When when Galaxy reported Q1 earnings and how um things were basically looking up i wanted to dig into what's driving that a bit more you touched upon the banking crisis 
quite a few people have speculated um, that uh, people were going back into Bitcoin as a sort of safe haven asset almost, which um, is, is a narrative we haven't seen for quite a while. Um, do you think that that's one of the drivers? What, what are the other ones? Yeah, for, for sure, it's one of the drivers. I mean, let, let's, let's have a couple of framing elements. I mean, there's still this tail end of 2022 dynamic when if you were a seller of crypto, uh, you sold by Q4 of last year. You know, there's not that many people left who would be sort of structural sellers. You've got traders, but like the, the, the core uh, you know, holder base, they, they sold it then. So we kind of have that natural kind of bottom that we saw. Uh, and, and that still remains, I think, a constructive element. And let's remember at this point that, that Bitcoin uh, and other crypto assets have been the best performing asset class on any number of short and long term time horizons that you choose. Uh, so it's you've done well if you've been if you've been long this asset class. But maybe to sort of get down to one level of granularity, if you look at our trading desk, you want, we're certainly, we think we're one of the biggest, if not the biggest derivatives balance sheets in crypto. We're very active in spot and lending and borrowing uh, in the institutional space. And we've had some of our busiest trading days over the last few months and exactly you know, correlated with some of the banking elements you know, that you see that flight to, you know, it's not flight to quality. That's something else. It's, what is it? It's 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 quite interesting to see this flight to. We don't like the current system. <laughs> flight to something but the current system, which demonstrably we've seen. You know, we talked about the banking issues earlier. It, it, it isn't isn't where it needs to be. It's it's just not the right formulation of financial services for the modern world. Um, not to put too fine a point on it. So. So, you know, we've, we've seen investors come in and pick that. We've seen big macro hedge funds who perhaps were on the sidelines start to get involved as a, as a, uh, as a, uh, as a macro bet. So that's really interesting to us to, to see that 25K uh, uh, Bitcoin seemed to be a big inflection point. You know, we're holding up well on the back of that. The market structure is healthier. Uh, and, and, you know, leverage leverage has been washed out of the system, too, uh, towards the tail end of last year. This is all net constructive. I, I, I will say, though, and reiterate, like right now today, it is thin. It's thin trading and and it's hard to get really behind another big leg today when we see the current sort of overall backdrop. Um, but the last thing I'll say is it's an incredibly reflexive market. It's, it's sort of bananas reflexive. You saw it in January. You seeing, saw it again just recently. Now it's consolidating again, but it won't take much if we get to 32, 33, 35 to see a lot of people come out, which is sort of a bit, you know, the wrong way around. Uh, you should be getting into it now. But like that's just human nature. And, and no more clearly do you see it in, in this asset class. As soon as it goes up, you pick up that momentum. So there's reasons to be, I think, in this sort of medium to long term quite positive. Tim, you've picked up on a on a point that has that kind of puzzles me from time to time, which is that people like cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin because they provide an alternative to the banking system. And yet one of the big drivers for the next cycle of crypto, I think a lot of people will agree, is institutional adoption and the existing financial system buying into it. Um, can either of you sort of... Um, I suppose, kind of elaborate on that point slightly before we, before we move on. 
Sure. I, I, I agree with that sentiment. I'm sure, I'm sure Tim does too. I mean, I think there's a lot of folks who are sort of in this rip and replace mode and I've never really kind of been there. It's, I've always been believed that these two things would coexist in an ecosystem, right? Sort of more traditional finance would engage with VASPs. VASP might be traditional finance. There'll be, there'll be an interplay in this entire world. I will say at TRM and we do risk management, you know, I, I, for the last two and a half years, I've sort of seen large financial institutions at every part of their sort of cryptocurrency journey right to this question, you know, hey, should we bank this crypto customer, you know, to, to sort of the Goldman, should we offer crypto assets to customers, even to sort of that more forward leaning, should we tokenize assets, should we um, issue in our own coin. And I think, you know, post FTX, we've seen a little pullback from the sort of forward leaning approach that institutions have had. But I have always associated sort of coming out with uh, out of this crypto winner, with sort of more serious institutional adoption. Um, I think that's going to be a key driver in that. And look, these are conservative, traditional financial institutions that want clarity before they engage. And they want to ensure that they're engaging safely. And that's the kind of conversation we have with folks that say, hey, look, you know, we don't want to engage with a liquidity pool if we th think North, uh, North Korean cyber criminals are, are going, to, are, are going to, to, to attack a DeFi protocol or a bridge. And I think that this is all wrapped up in needing regulatory clarity, needing trust and safety. Um, and and I think we'll potentially, with those two things in place, we'll see that sort of movement towards more institutional adoption. And I've always believed that institutional adoption and payments would ultimately be the things that would sort of drive this market in the next cycle. Um, you mentioned regulation, Ari. Um, this is a big moment for crypto regulation in Europe. Um, we saw uh, the Markets in Crypto Assets Bill passed today by uh, the European Union. Uh, that makes them the first really, really big financial block to pass a wide-ranging set of crypto regulations. Um, and the US and the UK are now lagging behind officially. Um, what, how, how significant is this forward movement? I mean, we are also seeing the Treasury consultation in the UK. We've mentioned um, what's going on with the crackdown in the US, which we will move on to, but they are also introducing um, a draft stablecoin bill at the moment. There is forward movement. Um, how important is this in sort of driving the crypto market onto its next cycle? It, it's hugely important. And it really goes to that sort of clarity that I think businesses need to operate and to engage with the jurisdiction. You know, uh, there are all kinds of pieces of Mika, some I, you know, disagree with, some I, some I agree with. But I think the key to Mika is this idea of a passportable license, right? Now, if you go through sort of the throngs of getting a license in any jurisdiction in Europe, that, that license is passportable to any other jurisdiction. I get a license in Germany, I could use it in France or Portugal or, or elsewhere across the continent. And that is the type of clarity that businesses need. They need to know, hey, if I can engage in this jurisdiction, then that opens up, you know, 20 other jurisdictions for me. And it, it's absolutely critical. So I said Mika is a big step, but I thought Tim made a great point that this isn't just Mika. This is 2023 has been the year globally of sort of regulatory movement in the crypto space. Hong Kong has been an incredible story. Um, you know, we've seen these rule books come out of VARA, the Virtual Asset Regulatory Authority in Dubai, the first ever crypto only regulator. You, you, you mentioned the UK consultation, which I think is really significant movement. Australia has issued a token mapping exercise that they've been talking about for years. So I think like if you look around in 2023, and we'll get to the US in a moment, because it's sort of an outlier to this story, right? Um, I think we've seen significant movement. And that's building the regulatory clarity that businesses are going to need to operate. Uh, 
Tim, um, the SEC crackdown, um, Galaxy operates on both sides of the Atlantic, obviously. Um, what is your perspective on this? Obviously, Brian Armstrong at Coinbase said the other day that without clarity, and I think the subtext was with all of this stuff that Gary Gensler is doing, Coinbase would consider leaving the US. That would be a big move. Um, what do you think of this dynamic with firms seeing the UK and EU and other jurisdictions as more attractive, potentially? Well, I think, you know, that, that in a way, uh, I, I appreciate very much Brian's public statements uh, because he's saying what we're all thinking. Um, if you're commercially operating globally in this space and you're a provider of, of regulated services, there's no way you're not thinking about what you need to do in the next couple of years when you're staring down the barrel of indecision at, at best um, and, and what looks like deadlock. You know, at, at best, it's that. At worst, it's very deliberately trying to get in the way uh, in the US. If you're going to make investments, if you're going to make strategic decisions about where you want to do business, where you want to be licensed, where your clients want you to be licensed, that's the other side of the coin. You know, our clients might, you know, are telling us, like, I don't know if I want to be facing a US entity. Like, when's the last time in any asset class we were really talking in these terms? It's, it's, it's actually it's very unusual. So the implications are, are, are very real uh, from a commercial perspective about setting up in other jurisdictions. We're, we're definitely thinking about our footprint. Um, Coinbase clearly is, and we're hearing lots of chatter about others who are thinking about it. Um, I, I agree with everything Ari said, absolutely rewrite. Um, but yeah, what, a, what, a, what an odd outcome. Now that, you know, the stable coin bill over in the U S is, is, on the one hand, clearly, to, you said it earlier, like it's it's the right direction. I mean, it's being discussed. It's there. It's real. It kind of makes it real to be to be debated. But I think, you know, on balance, we can just assume that not a lot's going to happen very quickly based on the, the sort of odd dy dynamic that we saw during the hearings. Like it was a little bit of a pantomime at times. Um, and, uh, you know, good points were made and, and spurious points were made. But it ain't going to happen quickly. So really, let's just assume nothing much happens in this year and next year. I don't think that's a crazy assumption on, on, the, on, the, on the cycle of reality of, of earnings. And uh, if you happen to have shareholders, as we do, you need to show results. You need to generate outcomes, commercial outcomes. You're going to look elsewhere. Uh, so, so I think it's a, 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 a huge, huge factor. Um, and, and I'll double down on Ari's point about the Europe point. I, I think that's, that this is, I don't think people really have absorbed the extent to which 330 million people are about to be on some harmonized legislation, which I agree with Ari as well. Some of it's a bit, uh, yeah, needs a bit of work, but some of it's just gonna allow people like us and others to go and, 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 uh, and passport very clearly and openly in a regulated environment across the entire block. That's, that's, I don't think we've absorbed what that means. I think that's going to have knock-on effects for institutional clients. It's going to have knock-on effects for the labour markets, uh, it, it, and and we're only just at the beginning of that journey, really, to some extent. But you said it right, Alex. That has just kind of put shadow over everybody else, and the UK really needs to catch up now. You've been they've been saying the right thing since about a year ago, when when Rishi, when he was then Chancellor, sort of fired the starting gun and said, we want to be a crypto hub. But there's only so, only so long you can keep saying that 
and not actually getting the FCA to evolve its its policies and, and its and its regulations. I think the Treasury actually, from what I can tell and from our direct engagement with them, have the have the right thing in mind. The next thing is the FCA. But I will say, to be balanced, our conversations with the FCA are, are, are quite quite constructive, actually. We do want to see it turn into policy change, which then allows us to do some things like, for instance, a UK ETP with you know institutional retail. Like that would be amazing. Right now you just can't. And the UK's really got the opportunity to eclipse the US on things like that. And there's a reason why the derivatives market is biggest in from the London and the FX market is based in London. It's 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 great for talent. It's centrally placed from a global time zone perspective. Why wouldn't that be the case for crypto? Uh, so there's a huge opportunity. But yeah, Europe just kind of showed the way here. Alex, if I can just add to this, and I know it's better TV if we disagree, but uh, I'm just I'm going to totally agree with Tim. And I want to hammer home two great points that he made. I think the first is um, that 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 this is a big deal and European policymakers are not naive to it either. Uh, Stefan Berger, who was one of the major uh, drafters of the of the legislation I just read in a quote this morning, said Mika puts the EU at the forefront of the token economy. And when I am ever in, I spend a fair amount of time in Brussels with policymakers, and I can tell you they all see this as a business advantage uh, for the EU over the US and the rest of the world. Clear regulation is a business advantage as in terms of the way the EU sees that. And I think that's really significant. Um, so so I think that's 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 an absolutely huge deal. Um, the other piece I, I think where Tim was going with this, and, and I do also strongly agree, I think the UK is going to get this right. Uh, I think they're obviously sort of a little bit behind now, but if you look at the pattern, particularly starting late 2022, early 2023, is talking about a CBDC in a meaningful way, talking about stable coins, putting out this consultation. Obviously, in our space at TRM, I'm very focused on sort of the illicit finance. I think the FCA, I think Treasury, I think they're all thinking about that in the right way. How do we mitigate risk without stifling innovation? So I, th I feel like the UK is on the track to getting this right, even if they're sort of slightly behind uh, Europe at this point. I think we'll see that in the next year or so. So there is there is this issue in the UK um, about banks uh, not giving crypto firms accounts. This is not uh, specific to the UK necessarily, but it's something that we hear a lot about. Um, this seems like one of the areas where the UK uh, could, um, from a pro-crypto perspective, could improve. Um, it would presumably give crypto firms a lot more leeway just to operate in the country. Um, what's going on here? Can the UK realistically be a crypto hub with this issue and, and various other issues, but this specific issue kind of hanging over firms' heads? I think I think this is a, it's a major issue globally. And I think it's it's probably even a bigger issue elsewhere than the UK necessarily. Um, but I, I think all I'll say on this is, look, you know, you have financial regulators globally coming out. You know, you had every financial regulator in the US came together a few months ago and said, essentially, you know, be very, very careful, you know, slash, right? Like don't <laughs> engage with um, crypto businesses. And, um, you know, look, finan large financial institutions are gonna listen to their regulator. Um, and I think we're seeing that globally. One thing I've seen in certain jurisdictions, a few in APAC in particular, I've seen these kind of conversations publicly between private sector and the regulators about how to do sort of be better at this, how to ensure safety and trust, but also continue to bank the sector. So I'm hopeful that we can sort of, we'll see more of these sort of consultations, conversations uh, where regulators can give a little bit more sort of 
um, you know, uh, you know, uh, push towards uh, for financial institutions to safely regulate the sector. And we, we as sort of crypto businesses need to also be better about sort of showing why there's less risk in this space than necessarily our regulators are saying there is. Yeah, I agree with that, Alex. Well, I just add, I, 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 we're going to be really annoying because I think Ari and I are generally alone. Um, <laughs> this is but, no fun. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, the, 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 what, what it, uh, we said earlier that the, the, the crypto markets and, and, the, and the demand function is very reflexive. The other element, which is sort of fast moving, and I, and I think if you, if you've been in the markets, uh, you know, I've been in the, in the markets 23, 24 years this year um you've seen a lot come and go you've seen the financial crisis etc i've just i've never seen like things change so quickly on a dime um in, in, as you see in this space uh so whatever we think today in a quarter could change dramatically and another quarter after that could change dramatically and that could go either way hong kong's a great example until very recently the basic assumption was get the hell out of hong kong uh, and go to Singapore, right? Like the sort of basic uh, calculus. My, how that's changed in such a short period of time. Now everybody's going back to Hong Kong. Uh, and that, that, that same thing can be true, again, to both Ari and myself's point about the UK. It won't take much for, for, the, for the tide to shift and for us to see the UK really embrace. It won't take much for, 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 for banks to feel comfortable to offer accounts to the right kinds of institutions, they shouldn't be offering bank accounts to, to badly managed institutions, which is a topic we'll get to next. But it's amazing how quickly we'll see it. So I, it, it, we, we shouldn't talk in, in sort of multi-year steps here because it just doesn't exist. It's, it's like quarter on quarter. We can come back in a quarter and we, who knows what might have happened uh, to the upside or the downside, which is why we've got to stay uh, we've stay, stay, you know, stay focused on, on what's going on day you know, to day, really. Um, I need to tell the audience that they can submit um, questions live through the chat function. Please do. Um, the spicier, the better. Um, see if we can get Tim and Ari to disagree on something between us. I'm sure we can do it. Um, Tim, I'm going to just stay on this topic just for a minute because Galaxy operates in the UK. How much of an inconvenience has this been, this banking issue, um, from personal experience um, for, for Galaxy? Uh, well, you know what? It's not so much a UK thing as it is a US thing. Uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, we're 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 lucky to have a banking relationship. You know, a, a, a GCIB banking relationship in the US, which which has really been something that's that's kept allowed us to continue to be stable and operate uh, throughout this whole experience. We've we've also got, in many respects, pretty old school risk management policies here. Uh, and we haven't been caught out by 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 really anything apart from FTX last year. We uh, we were very public. We caught 77 million of exposure to FTX. You know, not long before that, it was a lot more than when the door closed um, and the window closed there. But apart from that, no exposure to to really any of the other uh, you know high level issues that happened in 2022. And the same thing this year, we had a GCIB relationship, um, and so those silver gates and and uh, and and um, signature issues and, and SVBs, we we, we were we, you know, there was no issue. H however, now we are on the hunt, XUS, to get uh, new bank accounts set up for our non-US entities around the world, of which we have many 
because we're a global a global you know trading asset management banking firm um the uk is not kind of where we're looking to be honest at the moment uh it, it it's more other countries like switzerland's a good place to go and do banking business the middle east is an interesting sort of emerging sort of balance sheet to take advantage of uh there's there's other more friendly kind of european institutions i mean just look today at socgen's announcement that it's uh getting behind you know its own euro denominated stablecoin with with very particular features that feel institutional like that's a statement of intent that should trend you know should translate into the commercial banking element of it as well so it, it, it's a real factor though i i think you you'll find a lot of banks got a lot of calls immediately after this, the, the US situation. And I think they're all working through that backlog. Um, I would love it if the UK would sort of get its act together though and, and, and become that appealing place to do business. Because I think that the speed with which we'll then see a momentum around London and the UK will, will, be, will, be, will be thrilling. Um, Peter from the audience uh, has a question. Um, Peter has referenced um, the JP Morgan chief executive who said that Bitcoin is a Ponzi scheme. He says bubble assets have a characteristic profile. After the bubble goes burst, there's a rebound known as the dead cat bounce. Um, is this rebound in crypto a dead cat bounce? This is a Tim question. And I'm going to let him take it. But, <laughs> but, but I will say that, like, you know, look, I think it's I think we're in this really interesting moment. You know, I talk about it sort of being pre first inning. We are so early in this space and it's going to look so different than it does today. But I, I always sort of go back to fundamentals. And when you talk about sort of the native qualities of blockchains, right, like we are now in a, you know, the, the world is sort of, you know, on an open, immutable public ledger, you know, where transactions can take place cross border at the speed of the Internet. And I think what that technology enables in a decentralized finance space um, for remittances, for sort of, you know, for, for all kinds for financial inclusion, for all kinds of sort of other use cases, I, I think it's going to truly be extraordinary. You know, whether we're, you know, I, I spend less time on sort of a bounce here and, and there. Um, but I know sort of, uh, so, so I think for me coming out of this, we're going to see more institutional adoption. We're going to see better, smarter regulation that hopefully doesn't stifle innovation. And I think we're going to see harness, you know, regulators harness the power of of open blockchains um but i will let tim take the dead cat question because <laughs> i spend less time on it <laughs> yeah, the, the dead cat bounce uh look i you know i've got great respect for jamie diamond and, and for jp morgan but that was a cheap shot it was a little bit you know uh a little bit i think myopic you know that you you, you know just calling calling something like that when uh to Ari's point, you know, that, that the institutional adoption cycle continues a lot of very large, uh, very well capitalized, uh, global, significant institutions, one way or another involved. And I'm just talking about crypto because in the same conversation, Jamie talked about tokenization as being a positive and, and the infrastructure, which I don't think anybody denies that sort of a general kind of as a general rule, most people can get behind that. Um, but, you know, when you when you've got those sorts of big institutions engaging in this space. We're talking about pension funds. We're talking about hedge funds. We're talking about sovereign wealth funds. You know, these aren't slouches. These aren't day traders. These are people who know what they're talking about. They have a thesis um, for Bitcoin and its narrative as digital gold uh, for, uh, or for, yeah, for want of a better term, that's the short version for Ethereum as like the, the world computer as, as one way of saying it. Like these are, these are really significant trends. 
um, and people are getting behind it. Um, I, I think when you look at the market microstructure of crypto as well and who's involved in it and the shift from the ongoing shift from retail, which is where it began to more institutional, it's, I, I don't know, the, the dead count bouncing uh, re really flies. Um, I, look, I could be horrifically, we could all be horrifically wrong, but we are talking about a, a, a multi-hundred billion dollar asset class, which is funny. On the one hand, that's pretty small and uh, somewhat insignificant, but it was three, three trillion not that long ago. Could it get there? Sure. At that point, you know, it's, it's, it's a real asset class that people want to get, um, get access to. I think the other element of this is around the, the, there's a big pool of money and, and, I'll, and I'll call it the wealth management money. Um, you know, the, the large uh, wire houses around the world, the UBSs, the Morgan Stanleys, the Bank of America's like their client bases who have really been kind of been given the stiff arm from those organizations for good reason until now, because they're, they're conservative uh, and they've been waiting for all the stuff that Ara just mentioned in terms of clarity and regulation. You start to see, you know, there's, you know that they've been asked from the beginning from these sophisticated wealth management places because these guys are on top of it um, to have access to payoffs like this. One of the things that I think kind of, and we're spending a lot of time on this, is structured products. Like to be able to package a payoff on crypto into a, a bankable security and put it into your, 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 your asset management, your private banking, your wealth management account suddenly should open up if, if you know, even... You know, half a point, half a percentage point of all of those assets goes into this space. Now you, you're really talking about uh, something else. And I, like that's the sort of granularity of market structure and, and, and asset dynamics that, that, that really we should talk about. It's a cheap shot to just get into, you know, the Ponzi, you know, dead cat bounce thing. That's a bit lame, really. Um. We've had an audience question, which is pretty much the same as my next one. Um, Jeremy says, do you think institutional investors are gravitating towards using TradFi players, such as established, established exchanges, custodian banks, etc., rather than crypto first firms? Um, we have seen uh, the crackdown has been mainly aimed at the likes of Binance, Coinbase, and these are the crypto first exchanges which cater to retail. Um, are we going to see a divergence? I'll, I'll let, I'll, again, like one of those that I'll let Tim jump in here. Uh, one thing I think we're seeing that's sort of outside maybe the question a little bit is in the wake of FTX, I think a move towards sort of DeFi, right? We're seeing so much more activity in places like Uniswap and Aave and others than, than we've really ever seen before. And I think some of that is a desire to sort of you know, focus on peer-to-peer -peer transactions as opposed to sort of the more sort of traditional exchange model. Um, but I, but I also think we're seeing sort of trusted exchanges, um, you know, continue to operate, um, you know, very well. So I, th I think there's a mix of things going on. It sounds like a little bit of a cop-out answer, uh, but I think we're still sort of at that point right now, sort of coming out of this time where we're going to see a mix of diff of, of the ways people engage. But I will say, I think they're going to continue to engage more with DeFi than ever before. Tim, what are you what are you seeing? Because I, I think you, you actually have some pretty probably pretty good visibility into this. Yeah, I you know my my view is actually it's interesting to you know, the term divergence feels wrong. I think it's convergence actually, um, and I think Ari, you made a great point. The tools that are being developed um, 
within DeFi and and blockchain and crypto and tokenization in general. This new tool set that's that's now uh, you know all the way starting in two thousand and eight and over the last, in particular, over the last sort of since Ethereum came into being around 2015, Like we've really got this increasingly evolving rich tool set to 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 apply to to financial services in general and and we shouldn't sort of ignore the extent to which that's going to be really meaningful in re-engineering the economic paradigm to to borrow galaxy sort of one of our taglines now let's sort of be more specific you've got this this classic uh adversarial trad fi c fi d thing at one point it was my blockchain is better than your blockchain your enterprise blockchain public blockchain I, I i just don't see it that way i'm like there are there there's there's always at some point financial services and there always will be financial services and it will just evolve in terms of the, the tools that it uses and in general one one would hope for for global growth that it's faster, better, cheaper, that capital raising becomes cheaper, that trading becomes cheaper, things become more secure, um, that we have more sovereignty over things that we want sovereignty over, um, that, that governments can control taxation in the right way. Like all of these are the core building blocks of, of, of the economy. And if we can do all of what I just said, then it's net benefit for global growth because you, you're taking out intermediaries and you're taking out cost structure and making it more efficient. And that's really what's at stake here. So I think what we're going to see is continued evolution. Um, uh, CZ at Binance has said, I think he said not that long ago, that, that it, I, I think I'm, I, I, I may be wrong on the, on the timing, but the gist of it is we might not exist a few years from now. It might be DeFi. Like I, I think he's on record saying that. So, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll see it all evolve. Um, I think maybe the only place where you could say you could get some divergence I, I, where I see it as just evolution to different sort of elements of finances. Yes, there are there are big pieces of what we do that should and could exist on what we call DeFi because it's just a better way to do it. it, it, it and that's I think that's sort of beyond uh, any reproach now. It, it, we've, we've got plenty of data points to show that. I also think, though, that you need centralized elements of any any economy and any financial infrastructure there's no way you get to sort of one or the other endpoint the middle bit yeah it's not so it doesn't really make sense you're either using one or the other i think the integration of the two becomes the, the answer that we're looking for uh, but i i don't think we're anywhere near done on the evolution and and, it, and you know if we talk about tokenization like the replatforming of traditional markets the hundreds of trillions of dollars of real assets that exist today derivatives bonds equities private equity etc like that journey is only just beginning and what that looks like five years from now i don't i think you know who knows but you know it's going to continue to evolve I, I, just just great points and real quick you know look i think one of the reasons both of our answers were not great right they were all over the place is because like this space is going to look a lot different in a few years than it does today. And in my opinion, all of those elements that Tim sort of described are going to be a part of it. I um, I did a TRM talks this week with Chris Giancarlo, who's the former chair of the CFTC and sort of the the crypto dad of the CB of a U.S. digital dollar potentially is what they you know call him. And uh, he 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 talked not about like a world where CBDCs somehow exist without all of this. It's a world where you have CBDC, you have stable coins, you have 
you know, cryptocurrencies, you have DeFi, you have centralized exchanges, right? It's an ecosystem where people have more choice in what they use to transact, um, you know, in a, in a, in a larger financial system. So I, I think I, I sort of see that world, right? Where all these things sort of coexist. And to your point, Tim, I, I love that word. There's a convergence of different opportunities for people in sort of a freer, safer financial system. Um, we are very nearly done here. Um, we're going to be running over soon. Um, one more question. It's from the audience. Um, we're going to have to answer it quickly, guys, but um, it's a good one. Uh, we were talking about big financial institutions increasing their participation in crypto, but David from the audience thinks their motivation is just fear of missing out. Is he wrong? Well, I, my two cents, um, there's definitely an element of it. And frankly, I welcome it because it's sort of a little bit of the the current um, uh, cultural tenet of financial services. You know, it, 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 financial services is very adversarial in the 20th century model that's been built. And so if, if you know, you, the neighbor over there is the Joneses are doing something, then you feel they ought to be doing it. And there, there's a healthy, well, great, like be, be, have FOMO. But at the end of the day, uh, you're talking about commercial objectives. And I think I, what, what I think has changed over the last sort of year or so, and certainly this is what we see from Galaxy as we talk to big institutions, is it's gone from the, the true believers in the sort of middle of the organization. And now you've got this discussion being very, very strategic at the top of the house. It's, it's a part of the, of, of the discussion. I mean, just look as an example at Goldman Sachs. 80, 100 people under Matt McDermott leading their digital asset efforts. Uh, you know, that that's that's no small number and they're taking it very, very seriously. So I think there's FOMO and there's 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 sort of aggressive. Um, there's always that there's always that sort of bell curve of early and late adopters. But at the end of the day, it's all going the same direction. Yeah, totally. I'm a FOMO guy. I never like to miss a party. Um, and I can tell you, maybe you stand up a digital assets group at a FOMO. Um, but you don't end up like you described Goldman with Matt and his team. You do not end up making major commercial decisions for the most conservative financial institutions in the world based on FOMO. So I think that like, yeah, FOMO will get you so far, but you're going to make commercial decisions based on sort of, you know, outcomes that you see a year, two years, five years uh, down the road for sure. But anything can start with FOMO though. It, it, great things start with FOMO. <laughs> That's a really good way to sign off. Um, guys, I really appreciate you joining us. Um, we hope you can join us for our Barons Crypto Roundtable uh, next Tuesday. That's April 25th at noon Eastern time, where Barons will be taking a closer look at the latest developments in digital currencies and blockchain technology. We'll be joined by leading experts from Fundstrat, Global Advisors, Deutsche Bank and more. You can find the registration link in the chat box. And of course, please join us again tomorrow on Barron's Live for a discussion by Opus experts on how carbon credits fit into net zero promises. Thank you again for listening today. Stay safe and have a great day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.